Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 10.04 on a Thursday morning. Dan Weinbaum in for Mike Wickett. Midday with Jamie and Wickett. Wickett's Hallelujah. back on Monday. Right? We right? finally got some rain. Oh, that's what you're excited about? Well, yeah. Do you see what happened this morning? We finally got the break in this horrible weather we've been having the past few days. Um, It's going to 93 today. What break are you talking about? Well, the past three days have been like sitting in a sweat box. It's just so hot, and it was just so miserable. And you it think today's going to be the break from it, huh? It was nice and cool this morning. <laughs> oh we had the gosh. rain, the grass, my flowers, my plants. They're loving it. Oh, so it's all about you. Got yeah. it. It's all about the landscape. Rain is a good thing. I'm not complaining about the rain. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. It this, was kind of nice to have thunderstorms overnight. You know, yeah. I like a good thunderstorm. Oh, yeah. That, that's oh, kind of yeah. cool, you know. Good stuff. As long as it's it. not severe, you know, just a um, nice thunderstorm. Right. As I had, I had a boss say to me once, sometimes we just get thunderstorms. Like, they're yeah. not all tornadic. Sometimes exactly. we just get thunderstorms. It, sometimes it's not and a those crazy nice. storm. Everyone just relax and just sit there and look out your window and sip your coffee and go, ah. <sighs> Rain, that's a good thing. Yes. All right. Yeah. You continue to do that as it's, right. as the sun shines today. Yeah. Good to have oh, it'll you here. warm up. It's the middle of summer. That's what happens. But yes. we, we finally broke the, the past three days. Oh, they were just miserable. Just too <laughs> well, hot. Too hot. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting this out of your system today. Yeah, me uh, too. I feel so much better. Uh, coming up after 12 o'clock, we will get you what's trending. Uh, we'll talk about best perks of the job uh, because there were a couple stories out this week about some of the perks that people are getting. Now, we'll get to that a little bit later. The reason a school is banning Fitbits. We've got a question uh, about dis- whether a story is discrimination or poor communication. It was a story we intended to get to yesterday at a Lee Summit uh, about a situation at a nail salon. And uh, two sides are kind of debating why this woman was not able able to get the services that she wanted. We have a major university that has passed a ban or is looking pretty seriously at a ban on fraternities and sororities. And it's not, initially when I saw the story, the way I thought it was going was, oh, this is because of partying. This is because of rowdy behavior. No, it's not what it's about at all. In fact, the reason is a little more annoying, I think. Uh, A little more a sign of the times that we'll get into a little bit later in the show. Am I going to get frustrated with it? I will tell you, Mike Wickett would get very frustrated at it. So I Hmm. suspect you... And and a lot of people will also. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm not a, I'm not a, a Greek. I, I was never in a fraternity or anything. Are you sorority? I, no, no. no. Um, I'm not opposed to it. Like I'm not snob. I'm not snobby against it or anything. I just never. It was just never my thing. Okay. You know, I never did the pledge or all the. I'm sure we'll learn a lot of terms today that we didn't know before. Um, but I wanted to start off because there was an editorial out of the Kansas City Star today, and uh, Channel 41 also did the story about a new law that Governor Eric Greitens has signed that is designed to clean up some of these abandoned houses and blight and vacant properties and landlords that aren't doing enough to maintain them. Mm -hmm. And I initially thought, well, 
you know, I live in Overland Park. I didn't know how bad of a problem it was. And then I read some of the numbers that are in the Star editorial. Mm -hmm. And we have a much bigger problem here than a lot of other places of similar size do. And I'd love to hear from you, especially those of you that live in some of those neighborhoods or spend time in some of those neighborhoods, 22980 or 5767798. How bad is it? How bad is the problem? As we give you the numbers, what do you see in terms of the vacant houses and the properties have been abandoned and the crime that perhaps goes along? with it. And I'm wondering if this law will help. Now, this is in Missouri. This is in Missouri. Right. So we're talking about Kansas City, Missouri. Correct. It's a state law. Right. State law. But locally, we're talking about Kansas City, Missouri and the large number of vacant properties and the landlord issues that are in Kansas City, Missouri. Right. And we, um, we've we talked before, we've had Quentin Lucas in studio before, and we've talked about this with several other people, uh, just about the, and it kind of makes sense, the more blight that you have, crime goes with that. And so that's why the city has put money into recent years into getting rid of some of those vacant properties, because then then you don't have the areas for, for criminals and suspects to just kind of hang out. And, and those are breeding grounds for crime. Um, so there's a new law. He signed uh, Senate Bill 111 into law this week. The law now requires property owners to register the name and number of a real person with the city clerk. That will help the city get a hold of them more quickly when there are issues and violations. The city also will now be able to take the owners to court if they don't. Uh, and then there are some other rules about the timeline that you get. Um, and so so it, it totally gets into it, it. Actually, the law itself deals with municipal borrowing and public administrators and stuff like that. But in there, that is the amendment that we just talked about that would hold absentee landlords to a higher standard of property maintenance. So I mm-hmm. think they're hoping that if you have to provide a real person, right. not just a company name, but a right. real person and a real phone number to get a hold of, that it's that reachability that then would help cut down on the problem. I don't know if you think it'll help. Again, I, I'd love to hear well, from those of you that, that the city has been looking for for years to come in and, and, right. and help with this. Right. Um, I guess I didn't realize, I, I get that sometimes you take baby steps toward a bigger problem, but I'm wondering, does this go far enough in terms of cutting down on, because you can still be unreachable. You right. know, you can still give a phone number and still not, if you don't want to clean up your property or go take care of it, you still might not. But let me give you some numbers uh, that was in the star. Uh, one study for the Federal Reserve found nearly 11,000 vacant residential structures in Kansas City at the start of the decade, most of those in the urban core, like we just talked about, yeah. that is more than double the national average. Right. Why is it so bad here? That's why, a good question. Why does Kansas City have so many? I think it's not an easy thing to explain and, and understand because most of these abandoned homes you're going to find in a certain geographical location of Kansas City. And that's going to be more on the east side, northeast side, and that it's in the bad part side, of town. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I mean, it's it. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong because well, I don't live there. But is there a correlation? And I'm saying this almost rhetorically because there has to be between where we have higher crime areas, where we have areas that are more run down, and where you have more vacant properties and more blight. I think a lot of it has to do with home ownership as well. Mm-hmm. When you have a lot of properties that are owned by landlords and they're rented out, right? well, you know, things can happen. And you can start to have a run-down neighborhood if it's not taken care of on all sides. From Correct. the landlord, from the tenants, all of that. And so you've got a lot of 
houses. I remember looking uh, God, several years back, I was just looking through the houses for sale and there were so many houses that I saw that were like $5,000, $6,000, $10,000. I'm like, wow. Yeah. There's a reason. There's a reason, there's a reason for that, that so because cheap. they're dilapidated and they're run down. Right. And, and, you know, we saw that, uh, or we do see that the, the city is, you know, they, they've got money. They're trying to go in there and, and, and tear down a lot of these dilapidated homes because they are, you know, blights on the neighborhoods where nearby good people live. Right. You know, and you've got these rows of houses and, and, and something has to be done. And so maybe this is just the next step to help strengthen what the city can do to take care of this issue. It doesn't, for sure, it's it's definitely a step. It's definitely a tool that they have. Uh, when you require, you know, uh, property owners to be more reachable, then that definitely doesn't hurt. But what's the problem in Kansas City? Again, and, and for those of you who live in some of those neighborhoods, or if you're a landlord and you know what tenants are like to deal with, anywhere in the metro, you know, what's how do we cut down on the number of vacant properties that we have? Because again, as the star points out, you can just live in this neighborhood where there is blight and your property value will take a hit. Matt, we'll talk to you next. Hold on the line. Five Seven six seven seven nine eight or two two nine eight zero. It's ten thirteen on KMBZ. Ten seventeen midday with Jamie and Wicket. That is the whistling of Dan Weinbaum. Well, trying to. I can't a whistle. Dry on my lips. We talked about this. That I can't whistle. You can't whistle. You just it takes put your lips a lot together and blow, Jamie. Somebody, yeah, yeah. It's from the movie. I, I know it's that simple. I know yeah. it's. We've had listeners call before and try to try to teach me how to. I just can't get the mouth movement. I can't. Hmm. I just, Have you practiced? Yes. Like uh, all I, things, it just takes practice. I practiced one day when I had problem neighbors. Yeah. That was my that was my payback that afternoon. <laughs> I passive the, aggressive payback. Yeah, absolutely. That was I <laughs> I'm gonna sit the, here and I try to whistle and maybe they'll get annoyed with me and, and they'll they'll correct their, their actions. Hey See, I can th- hold it for like a second. You can That's whistle. You just did. You just gotta work on it. Yeah, it's pretty effective when people are being annoying. You just spend the entire afternoon teaching yourself how to whistle. That's how I roll. So I'll keep trying during the show today. That won't annoy anybody. All right. Uh, So we're talking right now about the problem of absentee landlords in Kansas City. Uh, There was a law that Governor Greitens signed yesterday or or earlier this week that basically uh, now requires property owners to register the name and number of a real person, not just a company with the city clerk. And so that way, if there are violations of city code, or there are issues, then we have someone we can reach. They can go after an actual person yes. and do all the legal things that they can do. Because once, if, if you have one of those <laughs> shell corporations, right. shell companies, where it's registered in this person and this person and then it's a company, and you're like, all right, who, who owns this? How do we get to this person? We need to be able to take direct action. And I, I know the city, I know the people, that the, the, the elected officials in the city really want to take care of this. Yeah, and, and it makes sense because as we were talking during the break, it's one big cycle of problems. Yeah. You know, you have you have vacant properties and then you have more crime. Fires are more likely. Property values go down in the neighborhood. And you think about the expenses that come with that, the emergency right. services, you know, the EMTs, the fire, the police. police. Yeah. All of the extra things that happen because you have not just one blighted house in mm-hmm. a neighborhood, but you've got... 10, 20, 30, 60 within a square mile or even more. Yes. You know, and so that's, we're asking a, that's a problem. You, um, what do we do about it? Because, and, and I know it's it's kind of a big question, and I know that 
as we just rattled off to you 15 problems that kind of come out of this cycle. But where do you where do you start with that? And and we'll get to Matt here in a second. I just want to give you a couple of numbers. Uh, again, Federal Reserve found nearly 11,000 vacant residential structures in case in Kansas City at the start of the decade. Most of them in the urban core, uh, and that was more than double the national average. Why is it so bad here? And where do you start with it? And a lot of you are landlords or have rented property or familiar with some of the areas that we're talking about. Uh, let's think this out a little bit. What do we need to do about it? First up is Matt and Gardner. Matt, thanks for holding on during the break. Hey, uh, give Matt. us some insight here. Uh, I, I used to work down there doing inner city abatements for about three years, and uh, it is pretty bad down there. You have whole entire city blocks with houses on them, but only three of them are occupied. Okay. okay. Yeah. So any clue, you know, where the property owners are or how, kind of how it got that way? Well, uh, there's many reasons why it got that way, obviously. But what's going on is a lot of these property owners live out of state and they are uh, companies and um, they have tons of properties that you can go down to the courthouses and buy whole houses that are in horrible condition for $300 a piece. And there are some people down there that are buying whole entire city blocks and tearing it down and putting up a fence around it with one house on it and making it into little compounds and stuff. Hmm. When you said you did uh, abatement, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, we're not allowed to go into, it was a city run program. We're not allowed to go inside the houses, but uh, we cut down the six foot or taller weeds, et cetera, et cetera, pick up all the trash off the properties. And when you have abandoned houses and people live next door, they tend to uh, use those abandoned properties at backyards as dumps. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So you were doing uh, industrial curb appeal. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you, you could call it that. And you also had to contend with the neighbors that were down there because they're trying to stand up for whoever. And you can get uh, harassed quite a bit because any time... Uh, city-run program like that steps onto a property to cut it down and clean it, the homeowner is guaranteed at least a $1,000 bill. Wow. Gotcha. Okay. How about that? All Thanks right, a lot Matt. for the call, man. Thank you very much. Uh, from the text line, somebody uh, writes in the 20s and 40s, uh, the blocks in the city in a certain part of the town, yeah. literally have entire blocks of vacant homes, maybe with one elderly homeowner still living there. It's very sad and scary for the homeowners that are still there. And most of the time, their properties are very pristine. I work for the city. This is texter uh, 6490. Yeah. There, uh, when was the last time you went into those areas of town? I'll be honest. Um, and I talked about this when I did it, but right after the the sales tax passed, mm-hmm. whenever that vote was, April, I guess, whenever okay. the vote passed to improve uh, Prospect and Troost in that area, okay. I took a ride one afternoon. I was yeah. free in an afternoon, and I left my house in Overland Park, and I just drove the length of Troost, maybe right. starting at 95th. Okay, and, and I went and north. I, and I went north okay. until I hit the river, and then I did Independence yeah. Avenue for a bit, and I came back south on Prospect. Okay. Because it had been a while, quite yeah. frankly. That's not a part of town that I get in. And part of the reason I did the drive was because somebody had asked me recently in a debate that we had on the air, excuse me, why don't you live there? Somebody said, you know, why do you choose to live in Johnson County? Why don't you live in the areas when you're asking other people why they don't live there? Right. And Dan, I took, in that drive that I took, um, I couldn't believe how many of the blocks were empty. Now, I took a long drive. That's 95th Street all the way north. Yeah. But I couldn't, I, in my it's mind, I was, I was asking myself, where do you start to spend this money? Right. Keep in mind that sales tax was just passed in order to economically develop 
that part of town. And I thought, oh my gosh, where do you begin? Right, where because, do you start? And you can't just take a paintbrush and create some facades right. along the empty storefronts. That that just doesn't cut it. Well, so if you're if the goal is to get business there, then you need businesses that the people who live in those those areas are going to support. Well, they've right. got to have the money to spend. And if they don't, then you need jobs and you you need jobs that they are qualified to do and mm-hmm. are willing to do. Um, yeah, I don't. Why don't I live there? I, I don't know. Um, and, and perhaps the horrible answer is just it's. Well, maybe because you don't live there because you didn't find a house in a neighborhood that you wanted to live in. Um, you or, know, I mean, it can be that simple. It can. You be. don't have to feel guilty about not wanting to, you know, live in a place where you don't want to live. And is it because I don't feel safe there? Is it because I want to be in an area that is thriving a little more, I guess, and that has more to walk to and has has more. Right. Uh, that's a little more like me. And, and it's not an answer I'm proud of. And then of, there are going to but... be people who say, well, you know what? You you are able to do that. There are many people who, can't. who live in those areas that for whatever reason, and there's multiple reasons, and I know people listening right now will, will say, well, it's because of this. Well, yeah, that's probably part of it too. Right. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people that live there that don't have that quote-unquote Luxury, yeah, and I and I acknowledge that. To say, okay, I'm going to move, and I'm going to move into this house over in Johnson County or north of the river, or you know, yeah. How do you get homeowners to care? How do you get landlords to care about their properties? Especially as Matt mentioned, a lot of them don't live here, or they yeah. don't live in that part of town. And then you, and then how do you get? Because uh, it's a tenant issue too. How do you get tenants to care? You right. know, tenants that don't own the property. And as somebody that I inherited the house I grew up in and rented that out for a while, that was fun. I'll never do it again. Um, how do you get a tenant who doesn't live, you know, doesn't own the property to care about it and to right. treat it with respect? And then we get into a neighborhood thing too, like respecting respecting your neighborhood and, and having pride in it. Right. And some people don't. Some right? people feel That's like true. they're kind of stuck in it. Right. I know. I just put 30 problems on the table, but I'm looking for a place <laughs> then, to I mean, start. You, you, you even talk about the, uh, the the school district. For sure. You know, I, I... For sure. I will admit that I've long considered Kansas City... Now, if, if you folks know who I am, I, I ain't from around here. Mm-hmm. You know, I have been here for a while now, but I ain't from around here. And I found Kansas City to be kind of an upside-down city. The, How so? The whole metro. Because... You've got some of the most wonderful neighborhoods and architecture and gorgeous homes in the city, in the core, but nobody. How do you how do you, how do you put it? The the for the long time the school district was was really down, mm-hmm. and you've got these wonderful neighborhoods inside the city. But if you lived there and you had kids, you had to send them to private school. Right. And Or you moved to the suburbs. Right. And it just seemed weird to me because in other cities I've been to with dynamic neighborhoods mm-hmm. and wonderful old historical homes, that was usually where everybody lived, you know, right. went to, and it was, it, was, it was hot. Somebody just said on the text line, when my wife and I first moved into Kansas City, we moved to uh, 35th in the Paseo. We did not feel safe there. I had to break up fights and wake up to gunshots at 1.30 in the morning on multiple occasions. Yeah. So if crime is the issue, 
And I know, and I know the city is looking at this more about putting more police into those neighborhoods, but is, is that it? Is it a crime problem? Is that where, cause there's a, there's a, only a certain amount of money, right? you know? And so where and do you put the resources? Crime. No, it's, it's not totally just crime. Not. That's just one thing because you can't just solve the crime and be done with it. There's so many other things there. It is the absentee landlords. It is tenants taking pride in 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 their neighborhood mm-hmm. it is the school district it is availability of of industry and 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 stores and shopping not just shopping but but you know grocery stores mm-hmm. and and all the things that you'll find at you know anywhere else in the metro yeah it's all a combination of everything and does the city And you're right, where do you start? Does the city need more power to tear these homes down? Is that what this comes down to a little bit? Giving the city more power to this just is take a, them this down. This thing in the first that we're place? talking about here is, is yet another tool for the city to be able to go after the absentee, absentee landlords. And, and, and it appears that it's a good thing. Thanks to everybody that weighed in. Uh, coming up next, Harvard University is looking at banning a couple of big social organizations on campus. We'll talk about that next. Dan Weinbaum in for Mike Wickett, Jamie Monticelli. It's 1032 News 981 KMBZ Midday with Jamie and Wickett. Dan Weinbaum's in the studio for Mike Wickett, who returns on Monday. On Monday? Yes. All uh, right. Oh, look, the sun's peeking out here. In mission. 93 is where we're headed today. But it's not going to feel as bad as it did yesterday or the day before or the day before that. I like your optimism. Yeah. Were you outside at all those three days? Um, Yes, because there just came a point. Like sometimes you get a point where you realize you have spent too much time in the office and you've (laughs) just spent too much time in front of a computer. And so it was one of the hotter days, maybe Monday, where I said, I don't care that it's 150 degrees outside. And I went, I met a girlfriend for coffee and sat outside. Oh, okay. There was enough of a breeze. It was so warm yesterday. Yeah. When you're walking through it, it's like like a thick thing. It's actually a thing you're walking through. Yes. Yeah. So warm. I said, I just needed sunshine. Yeah. I just needed to be outside in it instead mm-hmm. of admiring it through my through my kitchen window. So, right. All right. All right. Uh, so Harvard University is taking a hard look at fraternities and sororities. And okay. it's not for the reason that I would have thought, I what guess. What was the reason and you I, thought? Well, generally, I would think if you are going to ban fraternities and sororities, it's going to be because of a couple of things. Uh, violations like a fraternity code and things like that. Parties, the hazing. troubles with the law, hazing, yeah. maybe uh, a sexual assault problem or something like that. That's not what they're saying is the reason. Uh, but a faculty committee at Harvard has recommended that the college forbid students from joining all fraternities, sororities, and similar organizations, including co-ed groups, with the goal of phasing out the organization's entirely by May of 22. Uh, The committee suggested that Harvard model this new social group policy closely on a couple that are being enforced by Williams College. And is it Bowdoin? Is that how you pronounce that? Oh, gosh. Both of which forbid students. What was that, Jay? Bowdoin. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, That's where you get your boudoir from. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Forbid students from participating in social clubs while they're undergrads. So, this is part of a, a years-long effort by the college to curb the influence of single-gender social groups on campus. Oh, See where this is going? 
I, so, I kind of knew this is where right? it was going. This is not about <laughs> rowdiness in fraternities and sororities. This is not about hazing. This is not about behavior. Mm-hmm. This is about equality. All right. So there was a report that came out that said. They want everybody to be as equal as possible to be as miserable as they are. Right. Um, because they're even banning now <laughs> co-ed groups. So they just want anything. They just want all these groups to go they away. They want to ban co-ed groups? Isn't a co-ed group like, like both genders? Yeah. But that's what they included or, or in there. Or they mean co-ed meaning just female. Because many times co-ed is used to describe female. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, so they, a couple of years ago, the president there announced uh, the current policy, which bans members of single gender social organizations from having certain leadership positions on campus. But then that one went away because they said that didn't go far enough. So the report says... The main reservation about that policy was whether the focus on ending gender segregation and discrimination is too narrow. If all of these organizations adopted gender-neutral membership in a timely fashion, there would be a ton of practices that would go against our values. So initially, they looked at just making everything gender-neutral. Initially, they just took a look at uh, making, I don't think you can make sororities and fraternities co-ed necessarily, but they were going to try to open them up. And because they can't do that, they are just getting rid of them entirely. Hmm. So, and I, yeah, the, the reasoning is frustrating because I, I don't have a big problem. You know, if I don't have a big problem with, with male only groups on campus or female only groups on campus, I'd feel better about it if they said the reason is that you're getting into trouble. That's apparently not the reason. It's the fact that they want to have places for all of the genders or people that are transgender it, or wherever to go. It, I, I, isn't that what the the whole college is? What's that? You you have the great big college where everybody gets to go if you make it in, mm-hmm. okay? And so everybody's there. Yes. Then inside that, you can have different groupings of people based on interests. Yeah, yeah. That seems normal. So why why dissolve people's desires to have clubs? And extracurricular activities and intramurals and maybe even little little uh, fun little societies of just women or just men inside the greater whole. Don't they already have the greater whole where they're all equal? Because some people feel left out, I guess. But is you're the already reason. there. But you can stand up and go, I'm a Harvard student. I'm one of the elites. Yeah, I guess if you have a male-only group or a female-only group, then somebody then feels pointing, like they're being excluded out of that. It's wrong. Come on. So, are we talking about transgender? I mean, is that what we're talking oh, about? I, because they're mentioned? not saying it, but I'm saying okay. it. Is that where we're going with this? Is that their effort so that regardless of how you identify, you it's don't feel like excluded? Some people are trying to neuter society. That's a strong word to use. Yeah, yeah, but you're well, but, but that's you're right. what it is. I, get it. I mean, not physically mm-hmm. emasculating, but it's it's a it's a neutering. Well, you know, look at <laughs> look what's inside that word neutral. Mm-hmm. You know, to to make everybody the exact same. Oh my gosh! Okay, I have to read you this statement. So the committee recommends this language for the college. Again, this is Harvard University. This right. is they are going to a leader of the pack. This is Harvard. Harvard students may neither join nor participate in final clubs, fraternities, or sororities, 
or other similar private exclusionary social organizations. That's the word that's getting me, exclusionary. Mm-hmm. That are exclusively or predominantly made up of students, whether they have any local or national affiliation, during their time in college. Students that take part in those will be disciplined. Well, isn't it easier just to get rid of every student group then instead of telling students Here, you can't join them, just get rid of them? Here's the thing, what, what, what college and university is, is supposed to be, not completely, but what it does is it, it serves as a transition where you know where you get more education coming out of childhood, and it serves as a transition into the greater society. And, so, and yes. you have to learn lessons while you're there. And one of those lessons is if, if is how to move through society, how to get a job, mm-hmm. you know. Think about this. It, jobs are exclusionary. Yes, by nature. Not everybody gets to come in here and sit behind a microphone right. for whatever reason. I mean, they probably <laughs> Maybe could they find should. anybody. Maybe we should but... open it up. <laughs> See who wants let's it. not use us. Let's let's use any other job. They don't just let anybody. Everybody mm-hmm. has to be equal. Everybody gets a chance behind the bulldozer. No. Some people don't get the job. You apply, you don't get it. It's the same kind of thing that happens in these these social groups. Right. And and some clubs are only for women. So sometimes you just get into issues or only for men. And as long as you're offering something that is parallel, right. if it is desired, you know, if the other gender wants it, as long as you're offering that. Yeah. I don't like the word exclusion. Make it equal. Right. And then you don't have to worry about it. But instead, I, I don't know where this came from. I don't. I don't get, it seems like... Oh, I bet a lot of our listeners can tell us exactly where this comes from. (laughs) They think they're making progress, you know? They think they're making progress toward equality and toward treating everybody the same and giving transgender students a safe place. But what happens is it, 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 it tends to paint everything gray. Yes. It makes everything gray. It neuters things. Now... Yeah, you'll have problems in things like fraternities and sororities. And, and you've got those cliques where people are excluded based on the, the stupidest things like looks and money mm-hmm. and all that. Well, that's, that's different than trying to get rid of the idea of all of this, to neuter everything and to paint everything gray so we can all wear the same gray jumpsuits, eat the same pablum, well, and, and and go through life with our heads hung down. But we're all equal now. And college is supposed to be where you find out who you are. Yeah. That's where you're supposed to try out You have the to have these things. different things for you to explore and go, hey, I'm going to go check this out. Well, that doesn't really yeah. work for me. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush this sorority. Eh, doesn't really work for me. Or, yeah, I love this. This is a really cool thing that I want to do. Yeah, and we encourage... We should be. We encourage students at that point to explore their opinions and learn to listen to other people and broaden you your horizons, so to speak. Right, right, oh, exactly. Man, you don't do that, that whole, on your own. Mm, mm, Somebody mm, just texted in 22980, I'm a male and a member of a fraternity at my school. Our national committee has moved to allow transgender members in the fraternity if they identify as male. That motion destroys Harvard's reasoning, shouldn't it? That's interesting. So you have a fraternity that will allow transgender members in if they identify currently as male. So if it's female that went to male, as long as you identify as male, you get in the fraternity. That is progressive. That And, and that feels like that makes more sense than what Harvard is looking at. You know, all people should have equal rights under the law. Yes. Bill of Rights, Constitution, our, 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 our American values of equality nobody should be excluded from the rights that 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 we hold dear there you go but 
to try to implement something top down to force that in a in a in a, in a situation like this where as you pointed out on on the on the small scale they're dealing with it mm-hmm. I don't it know. um mm. yeah shoving it off the table or under a rug is not the way to deal with it and that sort of feels like what they're doing deconstructing things that are of quality just because you don't think they should exist because you think another way. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I got a problem with that one. I'm putting it up on Facebook and we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, I can't wait to Let see what your, your reactions and comments are going to be. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll tell you why school has banned Fitbits and uh, the number you need to be looking at your coworkers computer screen a little more carefully anymore and see what you can catch them doing. We'll tell you why next. It's 1043. Don't KMBC. look at my screen. <laughs> 1048 midday with Jamie and Wicket on a Thursday. Wicket's off gallivanting in Detroit this week, so Dan Weinbaum is here. Is that a place where you can gallivant? I think it's is a place Detroit? that you escape from as fast as humanly possible, <laughs> and I think that's why he'll be back. In fact, I think he gets back over the weekend. Yeah, so you want to talk I, about blighted blocks, that city. Woo. I have never been in Detroit, and I've tried. I've been everywhere, I but have, I have never been in Detroit. I think I have flown through. And he, I've asked him, I'm like, well, but I I sort of figure every city has something to see. Mm -hmm. Just about most cities have something worth checking downtown or something. And and he has said, yeah, there's a couple of blocks that I would take you to, Mm -hmm. but most of the city, I would not let you be alone in. Like, wow. Okay. That's a, wow. That's I, I, there aren't many cities that I would say that about. Don't you feel better for me? Don't you, you don't you feel encouraged by the fact that he's the, I think he would take action to protect you if something happens. He's pretty spunky. You know, he doesn't have yeah. a lot of muscle, but he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. So he would, He's a lanky fellow. Like, throw a fidget spinner at him or something in order to, in order to knock <laughs> like him out. Like little ninja stars, all of his fidget spinners. Uh, coming up after 11 o'clock. Uh, Distract them because they're like, ooh, a fidget spinner. Coming up after 11 o'clock, we um, have talked about this story of stealthing before. Um, and now we have a state lawmaker. This is out of California. It's one of the first times that we've heard about this where there's an effort now to make it uh, a felony. Stealthing, of course, when, uh, in order to stay FCC friendly here, midway through sex, a guy removes the condom, I think is pretty much the easiest way to do it, yeah. without telling That's her. That's rather clinical. That's clinical, but that right. keeps us in, in the safe zone there. Um, the goal in some places has been, or it's been a debate about whether that should be considered sexual assault, about mm-hmm. whether that should be considered... I think a lot of us can agree that's wrong. And we're not talking about accidents. No. Well, because accidents do happen this with that the, apparatus. Yes. This is the intentional removal of that birth control method right. without because telling you've the already woman. Kind of, you, you've already agreed beforehand that the male will wear. Yes. Yeah. And and you proceed. The, the issue of consent is that. You proceed given that set of circumstances. Right. We will do this act because I know you're going to wear this and you've agreed to wear this. And now all of a sudden you're not in the middle of it because, you know, for whatever reason. And so in theory, that would change the consent, maybe. Yeah. So there's been discussion about whether that should be against the law. And in California now, it is being proposed as a felony. But that's not all that she is proposing to be a felony. And so in okay. order to kind of make, make an equal opportunity across the board, she's going to make something else a felony, too. If, oh. if this goes forward. So we'll get into that coming up in the next hour. Stories going up on Facebook if you want to weigh in ahead of time. Uh, but we've got a couple stories now. Dan, uh, I noticed that you're keeping your, your screen hidden from me over there, huh? Well, yeah. 
What are you doing? While you're talking, I'm just, you know, I've surfing the internet. Uh, you're hitting that mouse quite a bit over there and typing <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. I didn't yeah. know typing was involved. <laughs> uh, but there's a new study out that I just think is fun um, about what your coworkers are doing on their computer when you're not looking or when they don't know you're looking. So not in this newsroom, but when I worked uh, in a different newsroom Playing in Illinois. Playing Candy Crush. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had the desk that was sort of the public desk. My desk was closest to the studio. And so mm-hmm. I would come in on Monday morning and know very quickly that part-time employees from the weekend, nothing against them, but that they were probably sitting at my desk over the weekend. It made right. sense because they could run into the studio the fastest if exactly. they needed to. But I would and you're glance searching at, their browser history. I would just glance at my history right. on a Monday morning yeah. and be a little appalled at, at what had been looked at on my computer. And they weren't smart enough to clear the cookies out. So there's a new survey by a group called Insured to Go that this was done out of Britain, although there are similar numbers here, saying one and a half million Brits admit to watching porn on a device given to them by their job. 65% admitted to using a work phone or computer for, quote, extracurricular activities. Uh, a similar number admit to using a work device to take, store, and send sex or nude selfies. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are using work stuff for non-work uh, activities, yeah. I guess, is what we can... Have you ever come in on a day and you've seen you? You've been around the business a while. Yeah. And your computer's been used by somebody else. We're going to assume it was by somebody else. Well, I remember back in the 90s, um, we had a lot of computers at the TV station there in South Carolina. So, you know, you would do all the stuff that you need to because many times you didn't have a computer at your house. This was in the, That's the, in the late 90s. You That's know? true. It's like, oh, here's the computer. So I I'm going to go surf the information superhighway. Ooh, AOL. I assume that... <laughs> Anything on my work computer, Intercom knows about. In fact, I sort of assume that anything on our Wi-Fi here yeah. could you be You think they're actually checking? I don't think they care. I, I mean, can't not believe they would care. But they could. They could. That's the deal. Yeah. I assume they could monitor. And this monitor. is a radio, uh, a building full of radio stations. Right. And with all kinds of people talking and doing all kinds of different things and looking up all kinds of different things. And it's a big company and yeah. you know and we've got the resources for it. And so I assume they could track keystrokes. I assume, you know, that any of for sure any of my work email mm-hmm. is going to be read at some point by right. somebody else. So do you put hidden messages in your keystrokes? Um like you'll type out certain sentences just hoping that they'll they'll come across it. No, but I will tell you that <laughs> when I went through, a, I need a raise. A brief just type yeah. it like twenty times a day, different times. In a brief paranoid phase, many years ago, I did. Um, we we did have alternate names for people so that that okay. way, if it were to be caught and you wanted to Your complain code about names, yes, and you wanted mm-hmm. to complain about the boss, right? You didn't want them to know who you were talking about. Not that you couldn't figure it out right. anyway, but I, so I sort of assume that <laughs> quote unquote, James right. is such a terrible boss. Well, I yeah. didn't name him. DW is really, has really become uh, yeah, annoying. Okay. You know, they would, they would never <laughs> figure that out. So surreptitious. Yeah. So I don't understand why people would do this on, especially because a lot of most companies have policies about not using work computer for personal use or whatever, but for sure not for stuff like this. And then the day you get fired and have to turn in your device or, and you don't have the chance to clear out your computer first, all that's going to be exposed, so to speak. So anyway, people are using it a lot more than you think. Uh, And then there's a story out of England. I don't know why, several stories out of England today that are interesting, but this one got my attention. Again, maybe it's the former teacher in me a little bit, but, and as we talk a lot about girls' self-image, 
Uh, there's a leading girls' school in England that has banned Fitbits and Apple uh, Apple watches over fears that students are counting their calories during lessons and skipping meals to hit their targets. This is body issue stuff for girls. Oh. That's an odd reason to ban those things. That's um, interesting. Very specific. It makes me wonder how bad the problem is getting. Um, But there, because we don't... At this one school, yeah. Or maybe just with girls. Maybe it's something we need to think about because, you know, we know this, that most teenage girls really, really focus on what their body looks like and, and, you know, you've got concerns about uh, eating disorders and stuff like that for that age. So they are banning the Fitbits. They're also banning mobile phones because they believe the constant pressure to have fun is taking a toll on teens' mental health. I don't get the have fun part. But well, because it's a distraction. Because you're always playing games. You're always so interacting. You're always playing Snapchat and putting those silly hats and ears and noses on pictures. And mm-hmm. It's this constant interaction with all this stuff. So it's, I, I think it's more than just the, the, the body image and counting calories. That's a, a distraction as well. They're getting rid of the stuff that's distracting. Sure. It's. I mean, this is a powerful distraction oh my gosh. sitting I here mean, in my right hand. How often I, so mine is purposefully behind me yeah. today, but Wicked will notice. I don't even notice it sometimes. Again, my email is open in front of me. Everything yeah. that my phone has is open on a laptop mm-hmm. in front of me, but there is just something about I mean, I have, it, I have it here. It's it's off to the side, but you know, if if the big news pops and I get the notification, I know, and then I can do something. And with that's that. how you'll it's, find out first is from your yeah, phone, exactly. But they do say that the issue with the Fitbit and the smartwatches is that they monitor the calories burned and found that some girls would monitor closely the number of steps they had taken and the number of calories they had used, and they're worried. They said if they didn't feel they had taken enough steps in the morning, they wouldn't eat lunch. And so they were making decisions about eating during the course of the day. It's just that obsessiveness with their fitness and their physical health. And they mm-hmm. think if they don't have the, the Fitbit and the Apple Watch, then they can't possibly keep track of it that closely. And so take right. the phone away and then they can't it's watch it. It's a distraction. It. It, it, if it wasn't that, it would be something else they'd be distracted by. Yeah, but with I think... With these the, devices and these toys and games and all of that. But it is a point. I mean, the, that, that issue of girls focus on their... On their bodies, the is, constant checking, the constant and you know, adjusting. every fifteen minutes, like oh, I, I yeah, that's just silly. But it's real. I mean, it's real for girls of that age. Hell, it's real for girls of an older age. Right. So you remove it's... that, so they're not checking it every fifteen minutes. Right. They're still going to be teenage girls. Well, and they're still going to obsess over whatever they obsess over. And they're still going to look at them after three o'clock. Exactly. You know, they're they're exactly. just going. But to... while in school, just you know. Put them aside. Yeah, I just think they'll be distracted by something else if that's if that's the issue. But they'll just starve during the day. They'll starve themselves during the day and then worry about it after. So, all right, coming up next, we will get into the story of stealthing out of California, where the goal is to make this a felony. Uh, questioning whether it's enforceable, it's a good question to ask. We'll ask you what you think about taking a pretty bold step with, uh, with stealthing. Coming up next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.